Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravalli. The impasse is over. We begin the Daily Faceoff Show today with some breaking news. The NHL's last remaining restricted free agent is now under contract. Brady Kachuk and the Ottawa Senators agreeing today on a seven-year, $57.5 million deal that brings the heartbeat of the team into the fold in time for their regular season opener tonight. And most importantly, he will be there, not in the lineup, but in the building as we welcome you in to the Daily Faceoff Show and welcoming for the first time, Scott Burnside. Great to have you alongside. Uh, Frank, it's been a while since I've done live uh, TV, as it were. I hope your mute button is uh, close at hand, but no, it's great. And, and good work by you to, to break the Kachuk signing moments before this air goes, uh, show goes to air. So good timing by you. Yeah, and look, some other good reporting out there. Bruce Garriock, of course, first on the scene from the Ottawa Sun. So let's dive in. Let's put two minutes and 30 seconds on the clock and talk about that Kachuk contract. What are your initial thoughts? It brings an AAV of $8.125 million for Brady. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I think probably um, the term is the important thing for the Ottawa Senators, right? To, to you know, there's been a lot of talk about a bridge deal and what that might look like. Um, for a team like the Ottawa Senators, the term is the key. And so you give away uh, a little bit, probably, what, half a million to three quarters of a million more than you'd like to have spent in terms of the AAV. But what's the narrative of the Ottawa Senators team over the last three or four years? It's dysfunction. It's can they get out of their own way? All those kinds of things. I think this team has a chance to play some meaningful games under DJ Smith this season. I don't think they're a playoff team. But having Brady Kachuk in the lineup helps to redefine the narrative in Ottawa. Um, I don't know if it totally changes ever with Eugene Melnick as the owner. But I'll tell you, what were we talking about if this doesn't get done, even though they're going to open against the Leafs, what's the story? It's the dysfunction. Right now, that narrative is slightly changing, and they're obviously a much, much better team with Brady Kachuk in the lineup. Yeah, and I love the tweet that he sent out as well, too. The the gif from uh, the Batman movies, the Joker, and here we go. So it just perfectly fits the... Brady Kachuk persona and personality, what he brings to that team. I think he's that guy. Everyone says it, the straw that stirs that team's drink. He's the guy that drags everyone into the fight there, the engine, the heartbeat 
whatever metaphor you want to use for Brady Kachuk, he's all of that. And I think such a good point by you, Scott, in terms of sidestepping that conversation. It was so key to get this done because you miss the opening night game. You're not in the building all of a sudden. What's the difference if one game turns into five, turns into 10, and then all of a sudden with this season starting a week later than normal on the schedule, December 1st, that deadline to get RFA signed, that all of a sudden comes up in a big hurry. So structure and term were key for the Sens. They clearly dug in on that front. They always wanted him on a seven or eight year deal. This makes Brady Kachuk a wealthy, wealthy young man. And in addition to that, gets him to that next contract at a prime age in his career. And for the Sens, they hold firm on no signing bonus. So Brady Kachuk doesn't get a dollar of signing bonus. No guy on their roster, Scott, has signing bonus. So you mentioned Eugene Melnick. Obviously, that's something that's important to them and their business structure but a huge moment to get Brady Kachuk signed for this season and beyond. Even though he's not in the opening night lineup, just getting him there is a big key. So, Scott, let's move on to Alexander Ovechkin. You know, they start the TNT broadcast, the first regular season game on TNT last night, and it's Wayne Gretzky, and the conversation in the pregame is about Alex Ovechkin and breaking his record. Well, he got a step closer with two goals and a four-point night. What stood out to you? Well, you know, for a long time or the days leading up to that opener, it looked like Alex Ovechkin might not even play. You know, we sort of tweaked something in the last preseason game. And honestly, it looked like one of those things that could be a core or a hip kind of thing. And I wondered if he, like Nicholas Backstrom, who's out long term with a hip, might even um, be unable to, to, to be in that opening night roster. But not only is he there, but he puts on a tour de force performance, couple goals, couple assists. He's out there ramming people. And I, I think the, the, when I think of Alex Ovechkin, I think about a guy who more or less plays the same way he did when he first came into the league. He, he goes in straight lines. Yes, maybe he's lost a step, but not too much. He does what he has always done. And to me, that's what makes him a remarkable player. Um, and I think this, the story about him catching Wayne Gretzky in the all-time goals, I think it's a great story for the NHL. I think it's a great story for hockey. I think he's going to get there. But the fact that he was in the lineup, I think, allows that storyline to continue because it looked like it might not. And, you know, broaden the, the scope a little bit. I think a lot of us, uh, I used it as a storyline uh, narrative in one of my pieces this week, but with Washington and Pittsburgh wondering, is the window closed for them? Will teams like the Rangers or the Flyers or even the Devils, are they about to lap those two iconic teams in the Metropolitan Division? Well, both Pittsburgh and Washington off to impressive wins in their first game. And I, I, I look forward to see just what Ovechkin is able to accomplish this season. Yeah, that's such a good point by you. I mean, as great as this chase is for Alex Ovechkin in terms of the assault on the record books and passing Marcel Dion last night, none of it's possible without health. And he's been a horse in the lineup for Washington's uh, Capitals team over these last you know decade and a half. He's missed so few games that that's been a big key in terms of his success and his consistency. So easy to rely on. So some other news last night on the contract front, breaking late from TSN's Darren Dreger, Ryan Pulak and the Islanders closing in on an eight-year, $50 million deal. Such a big part of what the Islanders do, Scott. How key was this to get done before the season starts? 
Well, and, and again, I mean, different dynamic, obviously, than the Kachuk uh, signing. But it, this is an Islander team that begins the season with probably greater expectations than, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say going back to their dynastic teams, right? I think this is a team that, you know, going to two straight Eastern Conference finals, losing to Tampa both times, uh, this is a team that is built to win a cup. And Pulak is a, is a critical part of a blue line. You know, it, it lacks the, you know, the true, I'll use my air quotes here, the, the, the stud uh, defender like a Victor Hedman or, uh, you know, Chris Letang, something like that. But they get it done by committee. Pulak's a huge part of that. And I, I'm, I really am curious to see how things go for the Islanders. And I can't wait to see this graphic because they're going to start the season in, you know, with a, with a huge challenge in front of them. So uh, yeah. it's a big deal to get done. So What an odyssey it's going to be for the Islanders. And we'll throw up the map. The New York Islanders begin with the second longest road trip in NHL history to start the season they don't play their first game at UBS Arena, which is still putting the finishing touches on the building. The reason why this long odyssey starts, you can see they they open in, in Raleigh before heading south and, and all over the place. It's, it's not exactly as long as it seems in the sense that they will return home three times. There's a week stretch where they only play at the Devils just across the river, uh, two rivers, I guess I should say. And in this case... You know, one of my favorite quotes of the summer, Scott, I wish we could come up with some sort of meme, but it was like sad Lou Lamorello. He said when he saw the schedule, someone had asked him about it. And he said, what, what were your thoughts? He said, I needed to go for a long walk. Well, kind of the funny thing about this schedule, and you just saw the map, is that aside from the Devils, they could have made it a lot easier, the NHL could have, by giving them some of their other close teams nearby in the metro like the flyers the rangers maybe mix in a caps there and you can get home and get in your own bed instead there will be a lot of nights away but i guess for a team that's built for the playoffs it also means that they're going to have a lot of home games in the second half of that season and so that brings us to our mini icebreaker segment just a few topics to hit on quickly scott the chicago blackhawks we mentioned in icebreakers on tuesday we're looking to move center dylan strome he of course was a healthy scratch against the abs last night well, they're also looking to move the contract of Andrew Shaw, who's actually joining the Blackhawks team on their broadcast this year. But Shaw, as he uh, continues to recover from post-concussion syndrome, carries a $3.9 million cap hit. Without really diving into all the gymnastics required on the cap, there's only a very few number of teams that this could really help. I know that the Blackhawks have been in conversation with others, trying to convince them of the possibilities with a contract like Shaw, which is insured $3.9 million cap hit, 80% of the contracts insured, but because of the real salary dipping so low this year, uh, there's not a ton that you need to pay in order to acquire that cap space if you can use it properly. And the other, and I'm excited for this, you've covered it so many times, Scott, Hall of Fame weekend is on. November 10th, 11th, 12th, that weekend, the Hall of Fame, I'm told, has decided to move forward with the induction ceremony. This is the class of 2020, not the class of 2021, as the NHL or the Hall of Fame, excuse me, decided to not vote on a class um, for this year uh, as it relates to the pandemic. So uh, a nice relief for everyone involved, Scott, as you've covered it to get these guys finally inducted into the Hall. The night that's been on the calendar for so long will finally be coming up in November. And so let's uh, 
Let's move on to our next segment. We're bringing in Chris Preters. This is, we're going to call this the next wave. And so the big thing here with Chris as we welcome him to the daily face-off team is going to be about looking towards the future. All that Chris Peters has provided for years, one of the true experts in the hockey prospect space. He joins Daily Faceoff as a prospects analyst. He's done great work on his Substack at Hockey Sense, and we'd invite you to continue to follow that for all of Chris's deep dives on the prospect world. But Chris, welcome to the show. Frank, thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be part of the team and, and really excited to, to get started right away here. Yeah, so Chris, we gave you a homework assignment, speaking of getting started right away, and we wanted you to give us your top five Calder Trophy candidates for this season. So let's put those up on the board and let's lay out exactly what you're thinking in terms of the Calder Trophy. Uh, you have Trevor Zegers at number one, and what really stood out to me as everyone seemed to be looking towards Cole Caulfield and all the goals that he scores, why did you put Zegers at one over Caulfield? Well, you know, I think it comes down to a couple of different things. First of all, role. I think that the Ducks need Trevor Zegris to be a contributor immediately. Um, you know, he played in the first game, didn't play quite as much in terms of ice time as I expected, but I do think that that's going to continue to grow. The other thing that really helps Zegris, he's going to be on the first power play unit with the Ducks. That helps him put up pretty sizable numbers. He's going to get a lot of puck touches. He was running the power play from the half wall. So that's going to give him a lot of opportunities to produce. And so on top of that, you know, you look at role and then you also look at the talent. And I think the talent of Trevor Zegers is such that, you know, he's, he's elite. He is a, a dynamic skill player who has an incredible vision. And so I think he's going to rack up a lot of assists this year. I think he's going to help the Ducks maybe be a little bit better than others expect. They did get that first win over the Winnipeg Jets last night, which was a you know, a bit of a shock, I think, for a lot of people who, who have written off the Ducks. But they have a lot of young talent with Zegris and, and Jamie Drysdale, Mason McTavish making the team and having a great debut. So there's going to be a lot of youth served on the Ducks roster. I just think that Zegris is going to have the role. He's going to have the time to uh, and, and the puck touches to really make an impact. Go ahead, Scott. So, sorry, Frank, I was, I was waiting there. And I, I'm curious, uh, Chris, about a guy that didn't quite make your list, but, uh, and not just because I picked him to win the Rookie of the Year, but what do you think of Anton Lundell in Florida, guy who played in the Finnish League and comes with a, a really polished game, I think, and certainly the scouting reports indicate that he's a guy that could at some point slot into that second center role behind Alexander Barkov in Florida, probably will start on the wing. But what do you think of that, uh, of Lundell, especially given how deep the offensive group is in Florida? Is he going to get a chance to shine? And, and maybe what, what are your expectations for him? Yeah, well, you know, that's probably the reason that I, that I left him off is because of the forward depth that, that Florida has. They don't necessarily need Lundell the way that some of these other teams are going to need their rookies. But I did have him right in the mix at the very end. It was kind of between him and Spencer Knight. And, and Knight, it kind of comes down to him. You know, how much does he play as well? But, he, you know, I, I have such respect for him as a goaltender. I think he will get quite a bit of reps this year. But getting back to Lundell, I think he, he comes in pro ready. He's always been ahead of his peers in terms of his hockey sense, his two-way play. You know, he gives you a lot of different things aside from the production. The difference between him and like a Zegris or a, a Caulfield is that, you know, he's not necessarily dynamically skilled. He is skilled. He's offensive. He, he works with his hockey sense and it makes him 
a better player. But I think it's going to come down to ice time. How much is Joel Quenville going to give him? How much run is he going to allow him to have there? Because I do think that with the supporting cast that he has, you know, quality of teammates matters a lot to the rookies as well. If you play with good players, you're going to play better. And I think that that's something that Lindell is going to benefit from, especially if he's on the wing. It frees him up a little bit more offensively. We'll see if he gets the power play time. Those are some of the things that I kind of considered, which leaves him just on the outside. But I think he's a guy that's definitely in the mix and, and certainly a player that I have a lot of respect for and have really enjoyed following over these last couple of years. I think he's going to be a great addition to the, to the Panthers this season. Yeah, my pick for the Calder, Chris, was Spencer Knight, who you have at number five coming from the Panthers. There's been lots of talk, though. It's a good question, Scott, about Lindell. I'm really interested to see what he does in that center spot and a big part of their future. Wanted to ask you, Chris, about a team that it feels like there's going to be a Calder candidate from not just last year with Tim Stutzla, but almost every year moving forward with some of the guys that they're going to be introducing, and particularly from this school. Tell me more about Shane Pinto coming out of the University of North Dakota I was looking at points bet to start the year, and he was one of the guys that I had circled. I was like, ooh, 30 to 1 for the Calder. I think this guy's going to mm -hmm. have a really good year. Yeah, that, that's a big reason I put him on the list, too, to feel smart if he actually does uh, <laughs> does well. You know, I, I think that what Shane Pinto did last season at North Dakota was overshadowed a little bit by what Cole Caulfield did uh, at the University of Wisconsin with his goal-scoring exploits. But aside from Caulfield, I thought Pinto was one of the best players in college hockey last season. He did get an early uh, or a late season kind of audition with the Senators, did very well for himself, had seven points in 12 games. So Shane Pinto is a guy that I think is pro-ready in terms of his physical readiness, his uh, how well he played at the University of North Dakota. And as you alluded to, uh, we were calling him the Grand Forks Senators uh, just because they had Jacob Bernard Docker. They had Jake Sanderson, who will still be there this year. Uh, Tyler Clevin also on the team this year. So but, but Shane Pinto, I think, is really a guy that has, has really driven his stock up over these last two years. He's maximized his development. He was a really good USHL player. I thought it was a bit of a reach when the Sens took him so early in the second round. But he's proven me wrong time and time again because every single year he gets better. He played for the U.S. at the World Juniors two years ago and one, was one of their most consistent forwards. And then he was one of the best players in college hockey, a true two-way center. And I think similar to Zegris, this is going to come down to role. Is he going to be the number two center for the Senators this year? It could happen that way. The way things have kind of shaped up, they don't have a ton of center depth. So to have a guy like Pinto, you're going to give him a lot of opportunities. He's also excellent at the net front. He's strong. He's physical. He has quick hands there. So that's going to allow him to produce because you got to score goals. If you're going to score at the NHL level, you got to be at the net front. And I think Shane Pinto has proven time and time again that he can score from distance, but he does his best work in, in front of the net. Yeah, I love that Grand Fork Senator's name, Pinto, JBD, Sanderson. Such an interesting pipeline to watch. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Love your insight. So glad to have you on the Daily Faceoff team. He's going to be writing multiple times a week for us. Prospects rankings, organizational rankings, all that's happening in junior and college hockey. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. Great to be with you today. Good job, Chris. Yep. Thank you, Chris. And uh, let's dive into the daily face-off show inbox. You can always chime in with a question. Hashtag AskDFO on Twitter. We'd be happy to answer. And we had this one roll into my DMs yesterday and it was, hey, Frank, is Alex Nedeljkovich in the Detroit Red Wings, is he eligible for the Calder this year? And it stems perfectly off of what we were just talking to Chris about. 
And yes, the answer is yes, because he had not played 26 games in the NHL in a season prior to this year, coming really close last year with the Carolina Hurricanes, Ned taking over the net. So Scott, I have a question for you. Is it the weirder Calder Trophy candidate? Was it Nedeljkovic being up for it again this year after finishing third in voting last year? Or is it Matt Murray being eligible a couple years back after winning the Stanley Cup in his rookie year? Yeah, see, that's why you get paid the big bucks, Frank, because that's a great question. And I am also old enough to remember when Ken Dryden won a Stanley Cup in 71. And then, if I'm not mistaken, went on to win Rookie of the Year the following year uh, yes. after uh, after having his name on the Cup. So the Matt Murray thing has some precedent. I think the Nadelkovic thing is interesting to me because it's clear that the PHWA voters thought so highly of his play with the Hurricanes. He was a, a big part of that team winning the revamped central division last year. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens to him in Detroit. Listen, that, that defense in Detroit isn't going to be at all like it was in Carolina, but wouldn't it be fun if he continues to play at a high level, continues to be the kind of guy around whom the wings can build their future and goal and finds himself on the ballot again at the end of the, the, this current season. I think that would be a great story. Um, Maybe a bit of a stretch given some of the talent that uh, Chris just outlined. I didn't see uh, Ned's name on that list, so um, I I'm curious to see how it plays out. But I, I do, I and I've learned something because until this morning, I didn't realize that uh, Nedeljkovic is in fact still eligible. So it's good to know that, and uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see how it turns out. Yeah, still a little surprised, Scott, that the Canes didn't pony up to pay Ned, given what he was making in Detroit. It seems really reasonable to me for a guy that came in and stole the show and the guys on the team loved, and now they're going with two a little bit more proven guys, but definitely a little bit older. So uh, let's get to our daily face-off best bet feature of the day. Welcome back to the show, Tyler Uremchuk. Yes, thank you very much, Frank, and hopefully everyone can hear me loud and clear today. Uh, as always, the betting segment is sponsored by PointsBet. And uh, just quickly, a couple of the big stories today. The Sens won't have Brady Kachuk in the lineup. They're plus 145 underdogs against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Alex Nedeljkovic will make his start for the Detroit Red Wings. They are plus 175 dogs against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are looking to get in the win column. Uh, those aren't the two plays I want to zero in on today, though. I want to start with the Penguins in their second game of the year going up against the Florida Panthers. Both these teams were top five in goals for per game last year, and the Penguins proving in their opener that they can still produce even with all the firepower out of their lineup. And for the Panthers, they had no problem scoring goals last year. And on top of that, they've added Sam Reinhardt now, and they have a full year of Sam Bennett. And you talked about Lundell as well. I'm taking the over here. It's Bobrovsky versus Jari between the pipes. You can see the number is set at six and a half, and you're getting even money plus 100 on it. You know, I'd like for it to be down at five and a half, but I think these two teams can definitely combine for a total of seven goals tonight. And the second game I'm keeping an eye on is actually down in the desert where Arizona is, uh, or sorry, in Columbus, where Arizona is taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, honestly, I'm looking at a lot of parts of this matchup. I like Columbus's forward group more than I like Arizona's. I take Merzlikens over Carter Hutton between the pipes as well. And I just think Columbus is going to be a lot more of a scrappier team than people think. I think there'll be a really, really tough out, and there won't be a lot of easy wins handed out by the Columbus Blue Jackets this year. So I'm taking the Columbus Blue Jackets at minus 165 on the money line to win in their season opener. And I'm also looking at Patrick Laine, plus 160 to find the back of the net. I think it could be a really good year for Laine on the Blue Jackets' top line. 
That is our best bet feature brought to you by points bet. And Scott, I love that you're on today because Scott's always down for a little wager. I always say he's like one of the worst <laughs> gamblers I've ever come across. He's always down to do it, but for whatever reason, we'll be sitting there and be like, uh, I'll bet you this. You're like, okay, you're on. And it's just, it's like, it's free money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what I miss about not being on the road is uh, Golapalooza, which is a uh, yes. a writer's uh, betting game, which would take too long to describe here. But I miss being that camaraderie on the road and sitting uh, wherever we might be sitting in a tea room somewhere and uh, and having that opportunity to, uh, you know, sort of uh, back up our beliefs with a small bit of change. So maybe sometime uh, this season. Yep, some of the best parts about being a hockey writer. Thank you, Tyler. Um, and so now let's get to my favorite part of the show, garbage time. Scott, what's something that's caught your eye or something you're feeling passionate about? Yeah, well, it's funny. We were, you know, you, we were talking earlier about the show's lineup and maybe talking about some, you know, heartwarming moments of the first few days of the regular season. And, you know, it started with Brian Boyle uh, coming off a PTO in Pittsburgh and scoring. Yeah, early in that Penguins win over Tampa. I've known Brian a long time and, and such a great story. But for me, the first couple of weeks of the season, it's all about the, the exuberance of youth. And, and sometimes teams that you don't expect to be any good at all and may not be good when the, when the wash is done at the end, they get a chance, though, early on to, to spread their wings a bit. And Chris mentioned uh, briefly Mason McTavish for the uh, Ducks last night. The 18 years old, the number three pick overall in the uh, 21 draft, didn't know he was going to play in the Ducks home opener until a few hours before puck drop, came out and was a force, scored a goal, almost looked like it was going to be overturned, but it did count, got an assist, drew a couple penalties. Guy's 18 years old. Um, I, I just love the idea of what will happen in these opening days. It may not have a bearing on a playoff spot, but who knows? Maybe at the end of the season, Frank, you and I are talking about, remember that opening night, Mason McTavish and the Ducks are in an unlikely playoff spot in the Pacific? But I'd like to, to embrace what's going on in front of me. And, and that's the chance for young players like McTavish to come out and you really get a sense watching them what it means to be in this moment and to realize that dream of being an NHL player. Oh, so awesome. Mason McTavish, Cole Sillinger makes his debut tonight, the only other player from the 2021 draft class to play in the NHL this year. And how about Hendricks LaPierre last night in Washington, scores his goal for the team that he grew up rooting for in his first NHL game, suiting up alongside Ovechkin. Nothing cooler than that. But need to say quickly, we talked about feel-good moments for me. No bigger than Jonathan Drouin scoring in Toronto last night for the Montreal Canadiens. It had to feel like scoring 50 with what he's been through, the anxiety, the insomnia that he was so open about, so glad that he got the help that he needed. And he could be a big reason why the Montreal Canadiens are back on track this season after losing a few guys this offseason. So that's all the time that we have for today. What a show it was, the Daily Faceoff Show. We'll be back tomorrow with... Steve Greeley to close out the week. And Scott, thanks a lot for joining us for the first time. Thank you all for watching and for all the latest from around the National Hockey League news, analysis, and insight. Head over to dailyfaceoff.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.